Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. This is the 17th in our 3,726 part series wherein we randomly watch and review a movie from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. This is a very special episode for us because we have bought ourselves a fancy professional podcasting microphone. So yeah, listen to all these crisp sounds. Oh yeah, I don't you can know. hear all the probably horrible <laughs> yeah. garbage squeaking that we're making as we shuffle yeah, our butts around on, on our leather couch. Yeah, yeah. So a new microphone, which uh, I guess obviously what that means is phase two has begun. Yeah, and strap yourselves in, friends. <laughs> And you're probably asking yourself, like, what's phase two? What's uh, what's that? I mean, like, well, you know, new podcast or new podcast, new podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we Uh, just decided to change. This is no longer Terminator versus Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. We're going to be uh, reviewing TV dinners now, and (laughs) so I got the Swanson's Hungry Man uh, meatloaf, and I got the Swanson's Hungry Man meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess we're going to give balanced reviews. That really does help. But yeah, we've ushered in a new era in which hopefully our podcast just sounds more professional. The audio quality will sound better. Yeah. We're not going to sound any more professional than we well, have no. so far. That's that's for sure. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. So anyway, with this podcast, we have a couple of rules. So we are reviewing movies that we have not seen from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. We, we select a movie at random. Uh, we cannot veto any movie that we select as long as it is one that we have not seen. The only out that we get is if the movie is less than two hours, less than two hours long. No. Um, I think he's saying that because uh, we, in our last episode, watched Remains of the Day. And that was and more it was than two over hours. two hours. Yeah, so just um, subconsciously. Was... Yeah, really <laughs> Andrew's really... Uh, I'm, I'm changing the boundary. No, <laughs> normally our out is if the movie is more than four hours long. So last week, like uh, Tara mentioned, we watched The Remains of the Day. And it was fine. Yeah, it was alright. It it was kind of long, and we weren't super into the lead character. I think it was visually a fairly appealing movie, and it was really well acted and that sort of thing, but we had a hard time emotionally connecting. Yeah, it's weird, because it's a movie that has no observable flaws, but it just left us both feeling kind of like, <sighs> Hopefully we have something a little... A little more engaging this time. Yeah. So this week it's my turn to randomly pick a movie, so I'm closing my eyes while Andrew starts to flip through the pages. Stop. Got one. Alright, we are going to be watching Slapshot, 1977, directed by George Roy Hill. According to the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, Paul Newman and Slapshot really could have stepped out of the farthest outpost in minor league hockey. Foul-mouthed and crazy-eyed, he leads a small-town hockey team to greatness by encouraging violent tactics, most successfully with three goonish, bespectacled brothers. The film has a surprisingly hard edge, its down-on-their-luck like inhabitants really are down-on-their-luck, which still gives it bite, and the cast is in fine form, including Michael Ontking as a star player, Melinda Dillon as a lady friend of Newman's, and Andrew Duncan, hilarious in every scene he's in as a broadcaster. Alright, okay. well that sounds... Potentially promising. Yeah, sounds promising. Yeah. 
very different from the remains of the day. Very, yeah. Don't remember much hockey. And was there? Did we miss any? Maybe well, it was there, in... there was. There was actually um, in like the the middle third of the movie. There was a really long drawn out hockey scene. <laughs> it was actually just a hockey game. <laughs> it was just a it, hockey game. That's why the yes. movie was so long. It was. A, it was a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey game. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> the Blu-ray. Somebody. Somebody. How? Somehow. Uh, and I guess people aren't watching this movie enough, and nobody's yeah, realized it yet. Uh, well. <laughs> for the maple leaves <laughs> all right so we are gonna watch Slapshot, and we will be back after this musical interlude So, just finished watching Slapshot. Have you got a reading in mind? Yeah, I have a... Wait, yes. Yeah. Well, let me, let me run down the scale. Uh, as always, our rating scale, very scientific in nature, goes from don't watch to maybe don't watch to eh, to maybe watch and then uh, don't not watch. So, then on the count of three, one... Two, three. Don't, Don't not, not watch. watch. All right. In unison, even. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it a whole lot. Definitely. I liked it a lot. It, it's um, kind of surprising that I haven't heard more about it until now, considering. It was on my radar. I knew that it was really well-regarded, people that I like. I liked it a lot, but I never got around to watching it myself until yeah. now. And also... I was kind of conflating it with Strange Brew for some reason. I don't know if it's like the the Canadian hockey connection. And then I think the Hanson brothers, I thought, reminded me of Rick Moranis. The McKenzie brothers? No, I thought they just looked like oh. the like the pictures I'd see of them kind of reminded me of Rick Moranis, but then I realized oh they don't actually look that much like Rick Moranis at all. Like I think, at all. Yeah. Like they, those glasses. Exactly. That's what and it brown is. Hair. It's glasses of brown hair. So it's like when Not you Not even were, the same texture of brown hair. No. But uh I mean, well, I think just when Tara comes home from work I see the glasses and the hair and I'm like, Oh, Rick Moranis, I'm a big fan of your work. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how many times it's happened. And then I realized that oh, was really it's embarrassing. Tara. It's my wife. <laughs> yeah. Someday, though, I hold out hope that uh, someday it will be Rick Moranis. Shall we try and uh, do a synopsis of the movie? Yeah, let's let's kind of go through the plot. So our hero in this movie is a man named Reggie Dunlop, who is played by Paul Newman. And he is sort of an aging player and coach of this hockey team, the Charlestown Chiefs. They're not really winning games. They're having to do all these embarrassing promotional things to rouse up interest in the team so they're like doing fashion shows and yeah fashion shows and weird whatever stuff like that so the team's not very happy in general like both being humiliated and being on a sucky team i'm sure would be pretty demoralizing so they're having a crappy season and they've got this manager who just doesn't really seem to give a shit basically sort of out to save money and doing all these things and so he he brings in these three guys onto the team, the Hanson Brothers. So there's a pretty entertaining introduction to these guys where they're at the train station beating up a Coke machine and they're like the three kind of dopiest looking 
as soon as I saw them, like, oh, these guys are goony looking. Yeah. So they have like Coke bottle glasses and whatever. One of the things that struck me is they almost looked like they could be an indie band. Yeah, like <laughs> there is this uh, kind of Ramonesy pop punk band uh, named after the Hanson Brothers. Uh, <clears throat> Not to be confused with Hanson. No, that is a very important distinction to make. So the team was just kind of at this real low point. To make matters even worse, the town has a local mill which employs, I think, most of the town's residents. So, um, yeah, like several thousand people. They say ten thousand. People were going to, so basically the the mill's going out of business and that will result in about 10,000 people in the town being unemployed. So the team is speculating what that means for them. People aren't going to have a lot of money for, for hockey games. Yeah. So what would be the point of continuing to have a hockey team there? So that's kind of the impetus for a lot of what happens. Reggie is really trying to figure out what to do mm-hmm. to keep them going and either like drum up a buyer or help them continue to be able to play hockey beyond this season. So they're going on the road and yeah, like getting publicity and kind of trying to make a case for the continuance of the team. That's Reggie's main motivation. And Reggie, I think we should kind of get into how he's not a great person, really. He is just hustling as much as he can, just like playing people off other people constantly and for sure. Working angles nonstop throughout the course of the movie. Like, I think one of the first things he did that really kind of gives you that flavor of his character is when he was sleeping with the wife or ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife of one of the the goalie on the team they were going to be playing the next night and finds out that she likes sleeping with women and so he taunts the guy and that just enrages the guy. Yeah, and allows them to score a goal. And that leads to, after the game, Ned Braden, who is played by Michael Ontkeen, calling Reggie out on this, saying, you know, that's like a cheap way to win a game like antagonizing the goalie so he can sneak a goal in so that kind of gives you an idea of his character as well like he's trying to play things on the level and he's really not having any of the the nonsense that uh that reggie is going into trying to drum up support for the team and it's kind of because of that 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 reggie brings in the hansen brothers because originally he hasn't just benched he doesn't have any confidence kind of rightfully so from what we see of them well yeah i mean they the first time they show up in their in their hotel room they open up their suitcase and it's full of toys yeah slot cars like yeah playing with slot cars and it's like these are like 18, 19 year olds, so yeah, they're young dudes, but not the kind of thing that... You expect 18, 19, 20 year old guys to be doing. Yeah, uh, not the kind of thing to inspire confidence <laughs> yeah. in, in their abilities. So Reggie eventually decides to get them out onto the ice. It's kind of an act of desperation. And, you know, when they're first introduced, you kind of get the feeling like, because he's not playing them, it's going to be the kind of thing where it's like, oh... He's not playing them, and he's going to get them out there, and then you're going to see that they're actually really good at hockey. They, they actually get them out there on the ice, and it's like, oh, they're not good at hockey. What they're good at is beating the shit out of the other players, just, like, ruthlessly going after the other team and pummeling them. And as it turns out, that's actually the, exactly the kind of thing that the, uh, the audience wants. So At least, especially at that period of time. Yeah, so it really it helps boost the attendance at their games. Like, everybody is going crazy for them. The, the Hanson brothers are, like, the stars of the team now just because of their brutal violence that they're enacting on the ice. And as this is going on, Reggie is trying to keep the morale of the team up by 
having planted this story with, with a sports reporter about how there is a senior citizen living facility, was it, like in Florida? That, yeah, a retirement community. Retirement community, okay. Yeah, in, um, in Florida that is looking to buy a hockey team, which... That's kind of throughout the course of the movie, he's constantly kind of feeding this rumor that he planted in the sports press. So we just see over the course of several games that the Chiefs, they'd been on a losing streak prior to getting the Hanson brothers out there. And so they win like six games in a row, I think. And So it wasn't really so much that the Hanson brothers are great players that they started winning games, but more the rest of the team got reinvigorated by um, having the crowds react so positively to the games and start having better attendance. And on top of it, there's this booster club that started following them around to all their games. And the team is just so excited to have have people people that are enthusiastic about them. Yeah, so they're basically on the top of their game and that's kind of basically what reggie is trying to do throughout the course of the movie is just doing whatever he can to get the the players just to get them engaged yeah not uh, not to let them kind of get complacent or depressed about potentially not being on a team once the season ends right um well and especially on top on top of it like there's like relationship issues going on between brayden and his wife where they're fighting constantly and she's super depressed and so one of the things Reggie does is he tries to get that situation sort of basically he's trying to like piss him off into just doing something and since he doesn't want to go along with the whole violence aspect of of what's happening with the team this is sort of Reggie's shot at or what he thinks is his shot at trying to get that sort of behavior out of Brayden. So anyway with this winning streak they end up qualifying for a championship so they're all super excited, but at the same time, basically all the other teams that they've been up against um, and the towns that they're from started getting really, really pissed off at the Chiefs because of the violence and and the dirty tactics. Yeah. So leading up to this championship, Reggie's been trying to figure out who the actual owner of the team is and trying all these different tactics, but the team manager is not divulging who this owner is. So Reggie... Out of, again, I guess a sense of desperation, he resorts to threatening or blackmailing him rather into divulging the name of the team's owner. So Reggie goes to the house of the owner, has a conversation where he finds out that the owner is not at all interested in selling the team. Um, She's been advised to write it off as it would be better for her financially to get the tax write off than it would be to sell the team. Yeah, and, and she really doesn't care about hockey at all. It's it's really about yeah, it's a financial endeavor, right? And uh, she she tells Reggie like, you obviously don't know anything about finance, and it's like, yeah, no, no shit, he does not know anything about finance. That Weird. It's not uh, not his strong suit at all. Yeah, so he's really de- dejected um, by this whole conversation. So when he shows up. Prior to the, um, so it's basically the day of the championship and he's in the locker room with the rest of the team before the game. And he says, Hey, we're not going to do any of this violence crap. You know, let's just, it's, this is probably be our last game. We're not being sold. This is the end of the team. So let's just do one game where we play clean, um, like old fashioned style hockey playing. Yeah. And the team's like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. 
So sounds all well and good, but they get out on the ice and the team that they're playing against has decided to bring in like every violent team member or former team member. Criminal looking, like criminally (laughs) violent looking uh, hockey player from all sorts of different teams, basically just enlisting them to exact their revenge on the Chiefs. Right. They just cobble together the gooniest goons they can get their hands on. Yeah. So you see the Chiefs are, are just kind of like... Ooh. Oh, shit. And they're like, they're like before the game starts, they're trying to like engage in good sportsmanship. Like, hey, the opposing team just is out for blood. Yeah. So the, the first part of the game, they're just getting creamed by this team, uh, beaten to a pulp. And, and the Chiefs are still trying to play by the rules, not resorting to violence. And it's not, it's not working out for them at all. So in a break from the game, they talk about, okay, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to go all out. Yeah, and that's kind of brought about by the fact that their manager comes in and is like, what are you guys doing? You're losing really badly. And there are scouts out there in the audience. And so he says that. And yeah. then basically jump cut to the Chiefs just pounding the shit out of the, the other team mercilessly again. So Brayden is sitting dejectedly on the bench watching the team then he sees his wife in the crowd, and so he's sort of inspired by her appearance to go out onto the ice and perform a strip tease. And the band starts playing the song, The Stripper. The opposing team is not at all happy to see this happening. Like, and everybody is kind of jarred from their their violence. One of the players on the opposing team is really pissed off, and he ends up hitting a referee, who then forfeits the game in favor of the Chiefs, so... They win the championship by default. Whatever, it's fine. It's fine, yeah. Yeah, Take it. So the movie ends with like a hometown parade following the championship. Reggie's telling his estranged wife that he's accepted a job coaching a team in Minnesota and that he intends to take some of the chief players with him. And then he's like, oh yeah, she's going to be coming to Minnesota. That's also been part of the thing driving him throughout the course of the movie too, is trying to win her back. And it's doesn't seem like it's gonna happen but he has this glimmer of hope and that's the note that the movie ends on so that's it's good it's a fitting end yeah compared to like uh the remains of the day which was just a bummer that was more on the bitter side of bittersweet and this is more on the sweet side of bittersweet i would say yeah yeah. definitely um she does drive into the middle of the parade which i thought was weird like did nobody set up roadblocks and like just you don't what? No, it's just a free-for-all. Well, it's a hockey parade. That's so. true. Okay, fair enough. I guess. Fair enough. What do you expect? Yep. In a lot of ways, it was really a realistic movie. Um, just pr- the way they portrayed, like, sort of, like, the real depressed town and mm-hmm. the hard life for both the players and, and the wives and... Yeah, it actually, I, when we were watching it, it reminded me of Beyond the Mat a little bit because it just had that same kind of sense of athletes that are not doing great they're like trying to trying to eke out a living and it's rough going there's a lot of talk about athletes making a lot of money and that's really only the case for a very small number of athletes like there's so many people in all these minor leagues of all these different sports really like you said trying to eke out a living and just sort of get by but more genuine because they're doing it because they They love love the sport right and that, that is kind of the feeling that you get from the chiefs uh, shall we get into some of the interesting tidbits that we were able to find about the movie? Yeah. So, I guess one thing to note, 
tying back to the the realism is that a lot of the people on the Chiefs in the movie were actually real hockey players. Yeah. Two of the guys who played the Hanson brothers were actually two of the three brothers that the characters were based on. There were several members of the Jets, which is Mm -hmm. the team that the Chiefs were based on in the movie as well. The movie was written by Nancy Dowd, who was inspired by her brother's real-life experiences playing on the Jets. One thing I I saw in an article was that Nancy had actually requested that her brother set up a tape recorder in the Jets' locker room and on the bus in order to capture the actual dialogue and, and just the real-life conversations of these hockey players so she could use that to help inspire her dialogue in the screenplay. And kind of in that same vein with regards to authenticity, John Gofton, who was one of the team members on the Jets and who was in the movie, told ESPN that the violence in the movie, and there's a lot of violence in the movie, I don't know if we made that clear, but it's, it's oh, a, bloody, a bloody, bloody movie. Uh, he's like, yeah... The Slapshot was a little more exaggerated, but it, we used to have fights galore. A little exaggerated. That's saying something. You, you just kind of assume there's going to be a creative license taken, but it doesn't sound like there is that much taken in this case. The director of the movie was very adamant that all the team players in the movie actually knew how to skate well. So there were quite a few big names that were considered for parts. Um, like Al Pacino was considered for the role of Reggie. But the director was not happy with his skating abilities, and um, I guess that really kind of offended Pacino. Anyway, here's like a list of several other big-name actors who auditioned for various roles, um, but were unable to cut it due to their skating or lack of skating abilities. Nick Nolte, Harrison Ford, John Travolta, Tommy Lee Jones, Kurt Russell, and Richard Gere. Yeah, so that's a pretty impressive list of actors to turned down just based off their skating ability paul newman does such a good job in the movie for sure he said later that uh, this was like the most fun he ever had making a movie i think that was super apparent watching the movie like you could see on his face so many times that he was it just seemed delighted glee yeah Yeah, for sure he, he was definitely the right person to cast for this movie absolutely It was pretty well-received, right, when it first came out? One thing I saw regarding critical acclaim or lack of at the time is that Gene Siskel originally gave it sort of a mediocre review and then later came to say that he regretted that and ended up calling it one of the greatest American comedy movies of all time. I mentioned how Reggie is constantly hustling throughout the course of the movie, pulling whatever tricks he can to keep the team afloat. Something that I found out that was pretty interesting was that there was this collective kind of, like, uh, several hundred, I think, different artists who were located just throughout America and throughout Europe who were engaging in art prank type stuff. And they, they called themselves collectively, they just referred to themselves as Luther Blissett. And um, I think they disbanded in the early 2000s. But uh, after the fact, some of the key founding members did an interview where they talked about how basically Reggie was a pretty strong influence on the development of this pseudonym character. They refer to him as the perfect trickster and compare him to like Anansi of African legends, the coyote of Native American legends, and then kind of also uh, draw a comparison between Reggie and Ulysses and his ability to manipulate the Cyclops. You wouldn't think that a character from a goofy hockey movie 
from the 70s would be the inspiration for this arts collective that I guess, behold, yeah. yeah it kind of speaks to the character and into the movie i think that about wraps it up for Slapshot. so let's seamlessly transition into talking about <laughs> it took many takes for us to get that right <laughs> Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what's wrong with we're this. We're professionals. Oh, God, this uh, <laughs> microphone. It's, it's intimidating to have this fancy microphone, yeah. really. It makes uh, feels like there's a lot of pressure on us now rather than when we were just recording with my stupid cell phone. Anyway, we're going to wanted to kind of briefly talk about the Japanese reality show Terrace House. Yeah, Terrace House, my house. Whose house? Terrace, Terrace house. house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not really. No. It's a show that uh, our friend Susie, uh, one of the hosts of the podcast Sake Sentai Drinkinger, uh, had introduced us to. Yeah. I think she heard about it on Rose Buddies, which has been renamed to Wonderful. One of the 30 McElroy podcasts. Yeah. It's kind of taking from the whole real world... Vein of reality TV. Yeah, strangers moving into a house together. It really kind of makes, reminds me of the first few seasons of the real world before it, it turned to horrible people being horrible all the time. But to be to be fair, there were horrible people, I think, right from the get-go. However, Terrace House doesn't have very many horrible people. There's not a lot of drama. No. It's downplayed when there is, for the most part. Unless things are very serious. Yeah. So, um, I think one of the things that really sets Terrace House apart from a lot of other American reality TV shows is that they have a group of people who come in with commentary and they're like watching the show along with you essentially mm-hmm. and commenting on what they're watching and they're all really funny. Yeah, they're like comedians and things like that. One of the things I really appreciate about it, especially being an American, watching it is that they can help make sense of some of the things that you might just like not even realize is going on just based on cultural differences. There's been three series and I think a movie. The the second and third series you can watch on Netflix. So it's uh, Boys and Girls in the City is the the second season and that's set in Japan. And then um, Terrace House, Aloha State is the third season and uh, it's all right. I mean, it's, it's worth it to just like see the panel. They bring so much to the to the show that that's what well, really sets it apart from other shows. And, and it'll get you through the parts, the rough patches with yeah. the uh, the Hawaii season. And there are several rough patches. Like there's oh, a few characters in the Hawaii season that I liked a whole lot. Guy in particular yeah. is great. Like he's probably my maybe first or second favorite character in the series so far um and we say character but really it's he's just a real, I mean, he's a person he's a person yeah as far as we know so yeah terrace house uh you, you can watch the like i said second and third seasons on netflix right now and then there are people on the internet that are translating the first season uh yeah so that, that's it for this episode so if you are enjoying our podcast and you want to keep up to date with our latest episodes and whatever else we might happen to post. Uh, we can be found on Facebook at Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. We also have a website as well, com. If you want to shoot us an email with any feedback or just want to talk about any of the movies we've discussed, feel free to send us an email at Tara and Andrew versus at gmail.com. And then, of course, as always, we want to hear a vacuum we we definitely want to hear a vacuum in the hallway Uh, as always we would like to thank the band boat for allowing us to use their song lately off of the album setting the paces so thank you boat thank you boat 
And until next week, catch you later, potato hags. Catch you later, potato hags.